Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Let's take our Bibles and go to the book of 2 Kings, chapter 4. Today I've titled this message, I Must Increase. Let's all say, I must increase. I must increase. increase. Now I'm saying that because uh, John the Baptist said those words, I must decrease and he must increase because... John had a ministry, and it was really just uh, only one guy could have this ministry, and that was to, they call him the bridge prophet, where it was the ending, the closing of the old covenant, and the dawning of the new covenant. And Isaiah talked of John the Baptist as one who would be a voice crying out in the wilderness, saying, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So John was the one who was preparing the way for Jesus to come and that they should believe on him who would come after him. And so when Jesus came, John basically is saying, well, my ministry's over. I've done my part. I must decrease, and now it's time for him. He must increase. But unfortunately, the church has misinterpreted that whole thing and said, this is our, uh, he must increase, and I must decrease. And I see why people say that, but my family, our reality is so different than that which was of a bridge prophet's reality. You and I have the living Christ living in us. This mystery was hidden before the ages of the world, and now Paul says it's now been revealed, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So guess what that means? As he increases, what are you going to do? You're going to increase. Amen. You increase because you are now in him, and he is in you. First uh, Corinthians six seventeen. he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. If you're one spirit with him, there is no separation. You cannot separate. Woo, this is good. So you got to increase. You have to increase because he's increasing. You know, it's extraordinary um, what, what religion has done to us and how, how much it has frowned upon us to make people continue to feel. And this, let me just kind of give you the message of religion, all right? In any capacity, in any, any, really, any real religion in the world, today. There are a lot of good things in a lot of religions, but some principles and truths, yeah, that people can live by, and you can see the fruit of that. But here's here's the problem with religion, is that its message to us is always this, you're never good enough. There's something wrong with you still that needs to get fixed. So it's always this trying to somehow appease, somehow try to get better, but never arriving at it. Perfection is the goal. Good luck trying to get there. But see, Christianity is completely opposite of that. This isn't just one more religion to stack up against others. It's not even a religion. I mean, people call it a religion, but that's not what it is. It's grace that has come to us. It's people who have given up on their own efforts and have fully put their faith in his efforts. Jesus died for our sins so that I don't have to die from my sins. He performed everything that was necessary to bring me into a reconciled relationship with God. I could not do enough good stuff to reconcile myself to God. God had to do that for me, and he did. God had to do it for us, and he did. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not holding their trespasses against them. Thank God. And now he's committed to us this same ministry of reconciliation. Our ministry in the earth, my family, 
You know, you have a ministry. As a child of God, you have a ministry, and it's a word of reconciliation. And that word is to compel others. It's though, as though God were pleading through us, the scripture says, to tell others, be reconciled to God. Listen, God has reconciled you to himself. Now you got to be reconciled to him. Well, how do I do that? Believe on his son. Believe that Jesus died for your sins. Believe that they laid him in a tomb. And believe that God raised him from the dead on the third day. And whoever believes in him... They're made right with God. There are no, it's not a striving for perfection. Now you are made perfect in him and you're living your life from this perfected, born again experience. We live from perfection, not for perfection. See, that's the difference between Christianity and other religions. Striving for perfection, we're living from it. Not our own perfection, his perfection that he has credited us with. He got credited for our sin, and we got credited for his perfection. Wow. See, this isn't just a changed life life that we live. It's an exchanged life. We made an exchange, the great exchange. So I must increase. Say that. I must increase. Well, what are we going to increase in? Paul talks to the church in in Thessalonia, and he says that you would increase more and more in the love of God. That you would increase more and more in the love of God toward one another. There are things for you and I to increase in. And we're going to see from this passage of Scripture in 2 Kings chapter 4, some things that we can apply to our lives to help us, motivate us in increasing. Okay? Are you ready? Number one, a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. Now, Elisha at this time, has what they call a school of prophets, all right? It's kind of a Bible school, if you will, and he's training up these young prophets. Well, one of these prophets passes away, and his wife now comes to Elisha, and she says, he, my husband's dead, and you know that my husband's a good man. He was one who feared what? He feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. Apparently, this man had some debt in his life, and the way it worked back then is that since daddy died, the boys inherit the debt. And now they have to work that debt off until it's paid. All right? There are no ifs, ands, or buts about that. That's the way it is. So now this widow is like, I don't have my husband, and now I'm about to not have my sons. Isn't this interesting? Now watch what Elisha says. Verse 2. So Elisha said to her, what, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in, your house, in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. How many of you know you broke if you got a jar of oil in your house and that's it, right? You're broke. <laughs> Next. Then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. Verse 4. Hey, how many of you know God's up to something right here? Hmm? God's up to something here. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. Verse 5. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. Verse 6. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full. What happened? She had one jar and now she's got a bunch of jars. She's just pouring it, pouring it. As long as they're bringing vessels, she keeps on pouring the oil out. She said, bring me another vessel. He said to her, there's not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Notice the oil ceased when what? When there were no more empty vessels. 
As long as there was an empty vessel, the oil was there. Hmm? But remember that verse 7. Then she came and told the man of God. And he said, go and sell the oil and pay your debt. And you, you, you and your sons live on the rest. What a cool story. All right, not only did it pay off the debt, but also gave them something to live on. And um, so this, this is another one of those stories, another one of those Bible stories that show us just the God of abundance that we are connected to, that we're in relationship. We see his abundance, him, him revealing himself as an abundant God over and over again. You know, I was reading through some of these, these stories, um, and I want to encourage you, go back through and read some of these stories throughout Kings, especially th- this era of Elijah and Elisha. Extraordinary stories. And I had actually forgotten about one where Elisha, um, was, the man brought him some bread, 20 pieces of bread. And he said, give them to these guys to eat, the, the people. And they said, there's 100 people here. You want us to feed 100 people with 20 pieces of bread? Feed them. And all of them ate and they had leftovers. Does that sound familiar? Remember when Jesus did that with 5,000? I'd forgotten about that little story. Those little stories, you go back and, and revisit the, these old covenant, Old Testament stories, and you go, oh, yeah, I forgot. So many extraordinary stories. But you see again and again, God showing us who he wants. He wants us to get this message. He is a God of more than enough. That's why we must increase. If he's the God of more than enough, that means we must increase. There's more. There's more to know. There's more to experience in him. We, we are uh, not fully satisfied, but we're content, as Paul said, we're content with such things as we have, but we also know that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the past. There's always that kind of wooing, that calling, that compelling on the inside of us to not settle for where we are, because he's, because think about this, the scripture says, in the ages to come, this is far beyond this time on earth when time is no more, and we're all in eternity, it says, in that era, in that time, God is going to unfold for us the riches of his grace. Wait a second. I thought it was already rich. I mean, how many of you know we're experiencing a lot of riches of grace? All right, sinners, come on. Let's, all the sins in this room that have been committed through the years, his grace abounded more. I know we're talking about just in this room, right? His grace abounded more. I mean, that is a rich grace because I was a rich sinner. Huh? But his, the richness of his grace far exceeded the richness of my sin. Huh? But this is in the ages to come. See, God has, it's like he's got these dimensions and layers about himself that forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. I know I say that and you start feeling weird after you start thinking oh, ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. I'm going to live forever and ever and ever and ever. Okay, I'm, I'm going through this vortex now. What is that? And God is, we're never going to get bored. We're never going to go, all right, I think I've seen enough. We're going to continue to be in awe of his grace. That astounds me. So we, there's so much increase for us to experience. I want you to look at this first verse again. First verse. What time is it? What's the score? What's the score? <laughs> your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. Let me just say this. Trouble comes to everybody's house. Hmm? 
Trouble comes to everybody's house. Now, when trouble comes to a troublemaker's house, you get it. Right? That makes sense, right? Well, he got what was coming to him. Right? I mean, that's, that's not a surprise. That's not a shock if somebody is living, up a, a, living a jacked up life. Right? That, that bad things are happening in their life. But when somebody who fears the Lord. Hmm? And it's, in, it's interesting how even we ourselves find ourselves pretty easy to begin to become judges. Someone who has done no wrong, and yet we go, something's wrong. Because that shouldn't happen to people like that. Trouble comes to everybody's house, my family. The good, the bad, and the ugly. It's the way it is. Jesus said it like this. In the world, you will have trouble. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Huh? All right, so let's not be too quick to put on the black robe, set in the bench seat and hold the gavel in our hand when we something, something bad happened to somebody else and go, guilty, because, hey, trouble comes to everybody's house. And when that trouble comes and finds you, you don't want to find yourself in a courtroom. Hmm? You need to find yourself in a place where other people can say, hey, I've been there. Let me, let me, let me help you here. Let me pray for you. And that's what you're going to have it you're going to find at One Cause Church. I think that's one thing that I love about this church is that we put the gavels down a long time ago. Huh? We, God judged Jesus for our sins. All right? We don't have any business judging anybody here. Amen? We love each other. And, and that's the thing to do. Notice it says that she cried out to Elisha. She didn't just go cry. She cried out to Elisha. Listen, you got to find somebody that loves God, somebody that knows God, a brother, a sister, pastor. I'm here for you, obviously. And, uh, and, and get to them so that we can help bear one another's burdens when trouble comes to your house. Because trouble has this thing about it. It has an isolating factor. When trouble comes, it, it tries to pull you away from those who love you and those who you love. Maybe because you brought that trouble on yourself. I mean, come on, let's admit it. Most of the time we bring it on ourselves, right? So we kind of, we're ashamed of what we've done. We're ashamed of what we've said or whatever it may be. And so the tendency is to shy away. But let me tell you something. When you're in trouble, get to the house of God. Don't get away from it. This is your refuge. This is the stronghold. This is the place to get healed. This is the place to get rejuvenated and renewed. This is the place for hope. This is the place of a new beginning. Amen. This is the place of love that covers a multitude of sins. This is a place of love that rejoices not in trouble, not in iniquity, but in the truth. This is a love here that bears all things, that believes all things, that hopes all things, that endures all things. This is a love that never fails. Trouble's coming to everybody's house. Let me encourage you, when it comes to yours, and maybe it is at your house, so you did good coming here today. Because I'm here to help renew you in the hope that we have in Christ. Because it is God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It is he who leads you and I in triumph. 
your trouble is in trouble today. Hmm? Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, your trouble is in trouble. Yeah, your trouble's in trouble. Amen. You're coming out of it. You're overcoming because he has made you more than a conqueror through him who loved you. Elisha said to her, verse 2, what shall I do for you? I can feel that sometimes. Sometimes as a pastor, <laughs> we have trouble. Troubles mentioned to Heather and I both. You know, people come and we look at each other like, I don't think we're ready for this. Now, we don't tell the people who are addressing us with their issues. I learned that the hard way. But sometimes I feel like that, you know, and you can feel like that as a Christian. You ever had somebody, a coworker, maybe, or somebody you don't even know, a stranger, say something like this to you? I don't know why I'm telling you this. I never told anybody this. Hmm? Every one of you. Why? Because our lights are always on. And whether you want to acknowledge that light or not, I, I, I encourage you to acknowledge it. Because as a child of God, there's an anointing in you that is just, and people don't even realize that that's why they're coming to you, but you need to recognize that's why. Because it's the one who's in you, and it's this word of reconciliation that's ready to come out. It's God compelling through you. Just, hey, tell them, be reconciled. I'm the answer. I can help them. And there's something about them that it's all unknowns, right? Unspokens. But they realize there's an answer I can get out of this person. There's something in them. They know something, and I need to tell them this so that maybe they can tell me. What what, what shall I do for you? Then he says, tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your servant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. I want you to remember this second thought more than uh, beyond just trouble comes to everybody's house is that when you're down to nothing, you still have everything you need. Now, I'm talking to you believers. I'm talking to you believers who have that hope in you. When you're down to nothing, you still have everything you need. All right? The Scripture teaches us that we have an anointing. 1 John 2.27 says that the anointing that we have abides. It abides. It doesn't come and go. It doesn't come and visit us once in a while. You have an anointing that abides in you. It stays. It's always there. It's that ready power. The anointing of the Spirit of God. All right? And, and, and it is your motivation for overcoming the troubles in your life. You heard about that husband who was sneaking off at night? He was sneaking off at night, going down to the bar. And he's coming home drunk late at night, every night, every night. Well, between his house and the bar, there was a graveyard. His wife got sick of him doing this every night and got sick of him thinking he was getting away with it. So she went next door to that cemetery and talked to one of the grave diggers and told him to dig a grave right in the pathway where her husband walks home. Her husband went to the bar. That guy watched him go, and then he dug that hole, dug that grave. Sure enough, a little while later, the man comes stumbling home, falls right into that grave. And he's clawing, scratching, trying to get out, jumping, jumping, trying to get out. Back in the corner, before he had gotten there, another guy 
from that bar had fallen in. <laughs> and the next thing he hears is, you can't get out of here, but he did. <laughs> He's got to have the right thing motivating you to get out of your trouble. And that anointing on the inside of you will get you out. Amen. You can get out of your trouble. You just need that right motivation. Then he said, watch, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors. Empty vessels do not gather just a few. I want you to write this down if you can, or just put it to memory. Increase your own capacity to receive by borrowing how others receive. Increase your own capacity to receive by borrowing, or you could say by borrowing from how others receive or borrowing how others receive. What does that mean? Well, that's why it's important that we hear testimonies of what God is doing in someone's life so that you can connect and say, you know what, God? You did that for them. You'll do that for me. So I'm going to borrow from that. Because I know that you're a God who does not play personal favoritism with people. You love me just like you love them. And if you do it for them, you do it for me. You can see this over and over again. So go borrow from your neighbors. Go borrow from everybody everywhere. Listen, whatever it takes to get that breakthrough, do it. Um, in, in Mark chapter 5, we see an interesting story where, uh, let's just read it. Mark 5, 25. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood. Y'all know this story, right? For 12 years, she had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. I mean, she's doing everything she can, right? She's gone to see every specialist in town, and her health is still getting weaker, and now she's spent all of her money. Bless her heart. Verse 27, and when she'd heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment, which she shouldn't have done because the law strictly forbade, forbade, forbidded, her, for, let's do it, forbiddeth, the King James Version, forbiddeth her to touch it because she had a flow of blood. But think about 12 years she's been like this, so she's been ostracized from everything she knows about society. and thing. She said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. I wonder what made her say that. Faith. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Amazing miracle that happened. Well, this is interesting because just a little while later, somehow this news gets out that this woman had touched him of his garment. This incredible miracle happened. And now we find Mark chapter 6. One chapter later, look at this. Look what happens. Jesus shows up in this uh, place called the land of Gennesaret. Uh, Gennesaret was a lake and anchored there. Uh, verse 54, and when they came out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him. Wonder, wonder what about him they recognized. I mean, he he, wasn't, he didn't have a social media page or they didn't have posters that they could print up of Jesus is coming to town. I mean, what was, it, what was it about him? This news had to be spread that there's this man who walks around with these 12 guys. This guy heals people. And when they see him, they recognize him. Watch this. And ran throughout the whole surrounding region. These people who saw him and began to carry out on beds those who were sick to wherever they heard that he was. So as he's going around, they said, Jesus is coming here, so let's get all the sick people out. And they put him, look, watch what happened. Next, wherever he entered the villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might what? Just touch the hem of his garment. What are they doing? They're borrowing. Hey, they did, he did it for her. Then let's, let, let's see if it'll happen here. 
And they did. And as many as touched him were made what? They got the same results that that lady did. If he did it for someone else, he'll do it for you. He loves you. He'll borrow from others' experiences. Increase your own capacity to receive. As many empty vessels as there were, there was supply of oil. Verse 4, and when you have come in, I'm almost through, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him, shut the door behind her and her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. Hey, here's a simple, here's just a simple practical thing to do. Do what the Word says. What'd she do? As soon as the man of God said to do it, she just went and did it. Right? Boys, go, get, go to the neighbor's house, knock on the door, get as many empty vessels as you can. We're going to do what the Word says to do. Amen? Let's just, say that. just make that your confession today. I will do what the Word says to do. Amen. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another one. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Lastly, your provision is not based on your need, but on your capacity to receive. This far exceeded her need, my family. It wasn't based on the need, but on her capacity to receive. As long as there's a vessel, there is oil. And you can know that with God, there's always supply. I asked the 9 o'clock, 9.30, 9.30 service this earlier. How many of you know how many things are plugged in at your house? Like you take a regular inventory of how many things are plugged in. Of course, Jason Voss does. <laughs> Any, anybody... Anybody else? Is this something you think about every day? Is something that keeps you up at night? How many things have got plugged in the wall? No, no, no. No, you're so excessive. If you run out of wall mounts, you just go buy what? Power strip. More plugs. And plug more things. Because you know what? That there's going to be power. There's going to be supply of power. It's not, even, it's not even in your head to think about until you, until that breaker. <laughs> okay, what do we do? Right? We have the coffee pot. We have the blow dryer. We have microwave. You can't plug. You can't run one thing <laughs> in some places. You can't run the microwave while you're blow drying your hair. So... Got to remember that. Or just the power overall goes out, you know? Like we've had these storms and had power outages. You know, you go three hours without power, you think the world is ending. Right? You start panicking. Don't open the fridge. Don't open the fridge. Just leave it. Just leave everything. It'll it'll all be okay. Let's just weigh this thing out. Did you call the, the, the power company? Right? We want that power on as quickly as possible. Because we're so used to it always being on demand. Listen, the Lord has supply, 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 supply. Hey, listen, where are the empty vessels? You've got to increase your capacity to receive so that the supply can continue to come. Let him show you more and more who he is and what he can do for you. Because in turn, oh my goodness, you can increase in the love of God to bless others. It, it, your capacity to receive will never be larger than God's ability to supply. That's why we need to increase. 
Because he is, praise God, a well that never runs dry. This, this born-again experience, is this, Jesus said it's a, it's a fountain of living water springing up unto everlasting life. Just continual, continual, continual. Amen. He has more than enough. And she came and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil, pay your debt, and you and your sons live on the earth. There's more for you. There's more for you. You must increase because he is the God of increase. And he wants to increase you more and more. Let's pray for a moment. Father, thank you. Thank you for this time with this precious people. Thank you for your beautiful, powerful word that has come to us, that has set us free. Thank you for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The moment we believe, we are made righteous, born into the family of God, children of the King. Thank you for that miracle birth that we experience by faith in Jesus. And, 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 and then from then, from, from that experience forward, it's continuing to walk by faith. That is, continuing to live in this expectancy, increasing in our capacity to receive because, Lord, we want more of you. It's your goal. It is your purpose for us to be transformed into the image of your dear son, to know the depths, the lengths, the height, the width, the breadth of the love of God. We're going to have to increase to know that. So we pray that increases today, Lord. Increases. Lord, there are needs here today. There are needs here. Troubles come to some houses here today. And Lord, I thank you that you are a very present help in times of trouble. You've not left them. You've not forsaken them. You are on their side. And you have a way because you are the way. It's because they can't see the way doesn't mean there is no way. Because you see ways they don't see and you know ways they don't know. And I thank you for meeting them where they are and increasing them. Providing, healing, empowering, renewing, reforming, delivering, liberating in the name of Jesus. You're here today and troubles come to your house. Just receive, receive from him right now. Say, Lord, you're greater than my trouble. You're greater than my trouble. So I receive from you today. I feel like I don't have much. But Lord, what I do have, I give to you. I open myself up and say, increase me. Show me your glory in my life. Show me who you are. Reveal yourself to me. I invite you, and I thank you that you're a very present help, and I thank you that you give the victory. You lead in triumph, and that you are able to make all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. It's not over. There is hope. There is always hope. And the hope that he gives, the scripture says, will not disappoint you. It will not disappoint. There's no false hope in him. It's the real deal. Amen. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.